Hi, I'm Sonia. I'm Sapna. And this is Loudmouth Loudmouth Loki's. So today we're going to talk about self-care during quarantine. Given the pandemic, you know, there's been a lot going on. And at the very beginning of Shelter in Place back in mid-March, there were a lot of conversations going around about how do you take care of your mental health in the midst of a global pandemic? And one of the most prominent suggestions was limit your intake of news and Mm -hmm. stay away from social media when you can. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's gotten harder over the time because not only is it all of the news that you want to stay updated on because in mid-March it was like, how much are cases going up? Where are the hotspots? And how are things changing over time? Like what masks are good to use? Because I know like in mid-March we were saying, don't use masks, save those for health professionals. And now it's like, do not leave your house without a mask. And things change here and there. And then not to mention, we already feel lonely as is. So in order to get any semblance of I'm staying connected with people, you want to pull out your phone, go on Instagram, scroll through, it's just so tough um, to feel so lonely. But then when you go online and like you're looking through social media, it's the same thing, really. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, you know, like as different parts of the country and the world um, mm-hmm. are opening up, it's, it's very different. Like I go to school in Philadelphia. And so Philly is in green phase. Also like green phase, phase three. It's not a very like, I guess, kind of standardized <laughs> lingo across the lingo. board. Yeah. So I don't really know what's happening, but people are hanging out. People are going to restaurants again. Yep. And, you know, when I first got the suggestion, um, I actually got it from Jed. Like I was talking to my fellow student ambassadors. We were talking about how do you take care of your mental health during a pandemic? And They were like, yeah, you know, stay away from social media when you can. And that was very difficult for me to even digest because I'm like, I don't want to be uneducated. I don't want to be unaware. Yeah. And I think especially with all of the Black Lives Matter, the the plight of Instagram infographics spreading, there's just so much to learn. So I feel like at least speaking for myself, I've been on my phone constantly Yeah. And part of it is like habit. Part of it is, you know, I want to stay educated. And so I I will say like at the very beginning, so when I flew home and we started shelter in place at home, um, the order actually came out the day I flew home. Mm -hmm. I had been watching the news very regularly for the first two weeks. Like every morning I was checking the count and even my mom was like, you know, be careful about how much you're consuming. And I'm like, no, I need to make sure I know what's happening. And that becomes very draining very quickly. Oh, yeah. No, it's – it's, and it's not only the case for us. I have always been very against 24-hour news shows, but 
I know a lot of you fellow South Asian Americans, um, I know it's really relatable that our parents all love CNN and other forms of the news. Um, at least for me, CNN was on constantly. And then my parents, anytime I'd come downstairs, they'd just update me with the new numbers. And it just deeply frustrated me and scared me every time. And I'm like, please, like, it's going to frustrate you nonetheless. But it's just, it's scary because we want to know what's happening. There's just so much uncertainty out there. And, you know, looking at the news, reading the news, staying on our phone is unfortunately like the best way to kind of quell those nerves of not knowing what's going on. And it's a balancing act, you know, figuring out how much of your time to spend on social media and, you know, consuming this information and how much of your time you want to spend giving to yourself. But what is, you know, there's already so much uncertainty and sadness um, and grief. How do you cope with that and like how do you keep going as an individual to outlast this I think it's the biggest question we have today yeah and I think another thing that's hard it's like you know if you're if you're sad in college or in high school or, or wherever you are or your workspace or whatever you can often just like go to the person next to you go to your friend hang out with them you'll feel better you know go on a walk go to a restaurant go to a concert little things like that that bring us joy sometimes and that's been so hard to do Um, and not being able to physically be with loved ones uh, who are not obviously like in your quarantine bubble or whatever. It's tough. And I think that's another reason, at least for myself, why I've been on my phone so much is like, I need to respond to texts and everyone's going through a hard time. And I know Sonia and I are both people who like to be there for our friends and like to be there. We always like take the role of being like the, the therapist friend, the emotion, the emotional crutch and things like that. And I think that's personally, at least why this quarantine time has been challenging. Cause I know so many people are going through so many things. And we talked about this in our first episode this season with regards to mental health during quarantine, but um, just understanding everyone's in such different areas right now, um, both geographically, obviously, and just like some of us have family members who are dealing with COVID. Some of us are like experiencing the economic effects of this pandemic. And I think when we're looking at all of that, it's important to understand what our own emotional capacity is and just understanding that like, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to not respond to our friends right away. Um, yeah, I think specifically on the on the point of responding, that's mm-hmm. something I've had a really hard time with all of, you know, shelter in place, quarantine as we so so lovingly call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I know I used to be the person that the second I saw a notification on my phone, I was like I have to respond. Yep. And <laughs> it took me it took me a lot of time to break that habit and recognize that, you know, my time is valid, my time is valuable and sacred. I get to choose who takes up my time, not yeah. the other way around. And when it comes to, you know, right now, yeah, I have my phone on me all the time, <laughs> if not most of the time. Yeah. And like just speaking very honestly, it's so draining mm-hmm. to respond to people. And it, it, I, I swear it's not me like trying to be a bad friend. It's just I don't have the emotional capacity yeah. to respond. 
Yeah. Even like, I'll, like, I'm sure Sapna can attest to this. Sapna will text me and <laughs> I won't respond for a few hours and yeah. it's which just fine. fine. Which is fine. I think the thing that, that allows me to do that uh, is we have an understanding that like we both know we'll get to each other when we have the time and emotional capacity to. Yeah. And our friendship is not based on, hey, I know you're active on social media. Why aren't you responding to me? Yeah. No, I think that was a big thing for me too, is like seeing people, like they'll, they'll like a tweet, they'll retweet something. And I'm like, why did you respond to my message? And I think that's something initially that we can be upset about or whatever. But I think understanding that we're all in different places emotionally is our own form of self-care. Um, which I think is a, is a good segue to kind of talking about what have, what has worked for us, uh, things that we've been trying out, things that maybe haven't worked so well, things that have been challenging. Um, yeah, so how's that been? So I think I mentioned this before, but for those of you who don't know, I love telling everyone. <laughs> I am in classes full time, and I have been since quarantine started, even during the summer. So I've been in Full, I've had a full load of classes. Um, I'm still doing my research and part-time job. And I'm also working on a startup. So those are like my three, I guess, academic and professional ventures that are going on right now that take up a majority of my time. Um, and then, you know, we have Loudmouth Arkies on the side, which is our passion project, but of course mm. takes time and yeah. energy. Um, so that was one major thing that I, I kind of like to keep in context when I talk about how my self-care is going. Mm -hmm. The other thing I like to keep in context is I have not lived at home for this long since I moved out and I live in a two-bedroom apartment with my mom and sister. So my mom has her room, my sister has her room. And I kind of like bounce between their rooms. Yeah, I sleep with I sleep in the room of the person who's not angry at me that day. <laughs> um, feel that. <laughs> but it's where I spend most of my time is the dining table, right? And that's situated between our kitchen and our small living room. And I, I say that to contextualize because the living room is where my sister and mom come when they need to take a break. And the kitchen is where they come when they need, you know, food and sustenance. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have space. So I knew that I really needed to get my self-care routine down very quickly, or at least find something that worked for me. Otherwise, like the compounding of these two things was going to drive me insane. It's a lot. No, it really is. And we've been talking a lot about how it's not just all of the things we're doing um, normally. That's already by us being like very driven people is already like pretty intense. And then on top of it, you bring in a pandemic you bring in all of the anxiety of like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want my friends and loved ones to get sick. I'm seeing all of my friends, or not all of my friends, a lot of my friends on social media, not adhering to social distancing. And it's like that stuff, it's family. It's like the physical space is completely different. There's just so much going on 
And not to mention all of the things and all of the plans that have been changed and shifted because of this pandemic. And it's like this never ending long list of things that are on our minds. And I think that's why more now more than ever, self-care, we have to, we have to focus on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you were mentioning like about uh, your kind of setting the context for your self-care. I feel that. Um, I'm also like taking classes, research, um, working for the nonprofit I love. And it's like, just, it's a lot. Um, and I think to keep ourselves remembering about self-care is super challenging. Um, I know for you, like you were talking about space Mm -hmm. and I think like that's a huge part of self-care. And like for me, something that I tried that I haven't, hadn't done before, um, or at least hadn't done as regularly is like exercising, working out. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that that has been really good for me physically, emotionally, mentally, just like in terms of endorphins and like having a routine feeling like I'm doing something. Um, yeah, especially because yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, um, I, at the beginning of quarantine, I started running again. I was going, Mm -hmm. you know, three runs per week and I, you know, for, for not having any space inside my house, like (laughs) running was just so relieving for me because it was like, okay, I have space outdoors and I was getting it back into dance, you know, and it was, it was just fun. Um, but I actually injured my knee in March. And so running took a hiatus mid April. Mm. Um, and so my complete, you know, self-care regimen, which was running three times a week, dancing at least twice, um, completely changed. And it was a little devastating because I was like, okay, running was how I started my day off. Mm -hmm. I was having a good breakfast. I was going outside. I felt good about myself. There were endorphins, you know, pumping. And for someone who, who is already diagnosed with major depressive disorder, like I knew I needed to be very careful about what space I put myself in. Totally. I didn't want to fall back. And so I didn't do anything physically for a month until I got to go to the doctor until it was safer to go to the doctor. And that was hard. Mm -hmm. That was a big shift in my self-care. And so, you know, I had to, had to move on to other things and I started doing more meditations. I started doing more mindfulness meditations and Mm -hmm. started doing more yoga. And that was really nice because I've always been not averse to yoga and meditation, but a little hesitant Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look on YouTube and I'm like looking for yoga flows and all of them are white women. And I'm just like, this is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Real talk. How does meditation work for you? Because for me, I cannot meditate to save my life for, for me. I'm, my mind just is like working 30, 40, 50 miles an hour when I ever, when I want to sit down and try to meditate. So it's like, Within a minute, I'll be thinking about the next things on my to-do list, which is terrible. Um, so I'm interested to hear a little bit about how that works for you. <laughs> yeah. So totally on the same wavelength with you. Like my <laughs> mind is always running. I think we're both chronic yeah. overthinkers. Yep. <laughs> um, given, you know, haha, hashtag anxiety. <laughs> yeah. LOL. Love but um, 
I, I started, I was introduced to mindfulness meditation and specifically guided mindfulness meditations when I was working as a traumatic brain injury therapist, um, my sophomore year of college. And the guided portion of the meditation is what really helped me because even during it, so it's like, you know, you're sitting, you're listening to a soundtrack where like the person is telling you exactly what to focus on and is like taking Mm -hmm. you through the meditation. And that's what helped me because my thoughts are always wandering. And I realized, you know, I was working with clients who, whose thoughts were always wandering over the place because they had a traumatic brain injury. Yeah, and exactly. And they were able to do it. They were so good at it. And I was just like, you know, I think it comes down to really practicing and sitting with it. And for me, I'm always, I've always been a very introspective person. So I haven't used meditation as a time to self-reflect. I've used it more as a time to ground myself. Like, yeah, I really enjoy body scans where it's like you start, you know, possibly at the top of your head and you, you notice like a sensation and you're sitting and you're just letting that sensation flow throughout the rest of your body and paying attention to where it is in your body. And like another thing about meditation that comes in, especially in mindfulness is like breathing exercises Hmm. and focusing on your breathing. And that's what I have been really drawn to as opposed to the self-reflection, which works for people. But um, my main thing is like, I just don't want to think. I just want to like, you know, (laughs) check out for a minute. Yeah. Focus on my breath, focus on grounding myself, focus on my body. And then just kind of, you know, after that, I feel relaxed. I feel ready to like move on for a little bit, which is nice. Um, Okay, Sonia, concept. (laughs) Season four of Loudmouth Lead Keys is all just a one long guided guided meditation. meditation. (laughs) Drop a comment on, uh, you know, send us a message, DM us, email email us if you want season four to be (laughs) only guided meditation. (laughs) And it's not even it's not even Sapna just talk. No, I'm just gone, like because I can't meditate. I'm not just sitting in the back with like little comments here and there. (laughs) I'll just have like my to-do list running out loud for anyone who's interested. No, but but real talk, that's I'm glad that's that's working for you. I think for me, what I've been trying to do, just because like those more traditional self-care activities sometimes don't work for me. um, I've just been really trying to throw myself in, obviously in like healthy ways, into some of the things that I'm excited about. Um, for example, my acapella group has been doing such a great job of trying to keep music in our lives to some capacity. Um, so we're like recording an album. So it's pretty fun to just like record every week and just have a bit of music with me. Um, and also I already like prior to the pandemic had been doing a lot of like access to medicines work. Um, and now obviously during a pandemic that work is very amplified so just really throwing myself into that and seeing how I can get involved stay involved do something that really like makes me feel um fulfilled but I think that brings up also a good point um which is a challenge for both of us um this whole grind culture that we brought up in season all the way back in season one um there's this immense feeling that we always have to be productive and doing something and contributing to something larger and 
it gets challenging. Just always constantly moving. And (laughs) that's, I think that's why I'm so keen on becoming better at mindfulness, especially like, you know, my research is focused on like, given everything going on, how a feeling or perceived loss of control can predict or can contribute to symptoms of depression. And at the very beginning of quarantine, um, there, it was, it was just something that kept bothering me, you know, like we're on social media. I keep seeing these like posts about, you know, this is the first time in a very long time that you're going to have nothing to do. So use yeah. this time to learn a new language, get ready for a marathon, you know, yeah. do what you've always wanted to do. And I know they were meant to be motivational, but, yeah. but, but it's tough. you cannot expect during, and I liked, I, I will always say this, you cannot expect during a global pandemic for people to, you know, completely change their lives and to expect them to come out, to come yeah. out on the other side alive is all you can ask for. No, real talk. I, I've, I've been seeing this a lot. It's like, we are so privileged if our biggest concern is, oh, I'm sad I'm missing a bit of college and oh, I'm sad I can't go on vacations. Like there is so much loss and grief that is happening. There are people dying. Yes, for real. And it's scary. And that number keeps increasing. And for us to, to always have like an end goal in mind is like, unfortunately irrational. Yeah, we have to put ourselves first. We do. And to, to have this, you know, of course, everyone's fa- feelings are valid. Everyone's, you know, difficulties with this pandemic are valid. But it is really important to contextualize because I think, I think that's what helps you kind of navigate where you are and where your state of mind is. Mm-hmm. And I really want to, I, I want to emphasize this a lot. Your self-worth is not and should not be tied to your productivity. Mm-hmm. You are not more or less valuable as a human being simply because you contribute more to society. Mm-hmm. And what is productivity? You know, it's, inherently a very capitalistic idea. Think about it. We think of productivity as this idea of like, I am putting something in that results in an output. That output results in some sort of like monetary result or something, right? It's Mm -hmm. a very capitalistic idea and does not recognize the intricacies of disabled folks, people of color, you know, the concept of time in terms of productivity is already (laughs) so colonized. And productivity does not take into account a global pandemic. Yeah. Because what is productivity in the midst of people dying? Yeah. And like, even just thinking about how our entire concept of time has been thrown out the window. And um, I think that brings up a good point. A few months ago, my friend, prior to the pandemic, um, my friend recommended this book. It was on Obama's reading list too, if you're interested. Um, It's called How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. Um, And I've been thinking about this book a lot. I still haven't finished because I have not been doing a lot of self-care clearly. And I also have not been uh, doing nothing in that sense. But um, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating book and it goes a lot into how we are so obsessed with being productive and we are so obsessed with like doing things, gaining things. Um, and like a, a lot of it is tied to money and self-worth and all of that unfortunate reality of especially us living in the Silicon Valley and how much that's amplified. Um, but I think a big thing that she mentions is how, you know, in the past they say like nine to five, you're working a nine to five job. And there's eight hours that you're asleep, eight hours that you're at work, and the other eight hours in your day are just to live, to, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, um, just to grow ourselves. I think that's such a fascinating idea because the author then goes into how now every single moment of the day is something that can be monetized. You know, YouTubers, Uber drivers, just there's so many, yep, side hustles. There's just so many ways that you can have income. Um, and for that reason, every single moment that you are doing nothing is seen as a detriment. And I think that's something we have to throw out the window. We have to realize that like, that is not a sustainable way to live. And honestly, I am very hypocritical here because this is something I need to learn myself. Um, but just understanding that like, we cannot always be on the, the brink of like burnout. It's just not sustainable. And it's not going to be so it's not healthy it's simply put yeah and I I think you know when I realized that I was like I really need to actively work to shift this mentality and like Sapna said like it's such a work in progress it's something we've grown up with it's something that's so embedded in our society and our minds and I still have the hardest time you know last week my mental health was at an all-time low I was very emotionally, mentally, and physically drained. And I just wanted to sit and do nothing. And I did. I did sit on my couch and do nothing. And I felt even worse because in my head, I had this running list of things that I had to do. Yep. And I was like, this isn't helpful. Um, It's super frustrating because like, that's how we, that's how we, you know, grow. That's how we relax. That's how we get back into the work. Yeah. And especially you said, you know, the whole nine to five thing. And like, there is a very valid reason as to why work and home are separated physically, you know? And that isn't to say that work from home is not possible. I think it's a wonderful opportunity and should be offered more. But given that we don't have any like feasible alternate options. Yep. Um, school or work and home is the same. The same. Yep. And that's an issue as well. It's super challenging. I was he, the first person to commend my boss um, just last week. She took a vacation, which was amazing for her. And she was like, I'm not answering any emails. Um, like I'm going to take this week for myself. And I think that's something that all of us should feel more comfortable doing. Um, just because once again, it's the same thing that we were talking about, like feeling the need to respond to every text because everyone knows we're only at our technology all day, unfortunately, just normalizing like, Hey, I'm going to take this week for myself or I'll take this weekend and stay away from work. I think that's super, super important for us all to think about doing, especially as we continue to be more, um, you know, like get that grind in and like use this quarantine to self-improve. And and a lot of that gets challenging. Um, but I think for students at least that's been hard um i know both of us are taking classes right now and spring 
quarter we started and finished online, um, which was challenging within itself. And you've been doing, you know, two summer sessions. I've been yep. continuing my full-time summer session. And I don't think professors understand what we're going through. Really? I've gotten surprisingly lucky. Um, but <laughs> not to mention there is still a lot of, like, tedious work that probably could be cut out. Um, but I think maybe I've just been super lucky with my professors. Um, but it's just so hard awesome. to study. No, it, it really is. I know, because I think at least at UCLA, um, I, I found at least that my professors were super lenient, but I have no clue what I learned last quarter. Um, just because like, I think the quality of my education has been so poor and me trying to sit down and do my work is so hard. I've at never, UCLA. because there's nothing, I think the, wait, what'd you say? I said at UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing is like, at least for me, I just find that it's harder to work when there's nothing to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that kind of goes back to the self-care. I've been trying to set times in my day, like in my Google calendar, literally just blocked off for um, cooking with my parents or going on a social distance walk um, with a friend or something like that. Just so there's something in my day to look forward to and, and like encourage me to do my work. <laughs> yeah. I think also recognizing, and we talked about this, you know, back in season one about our grind culture, um, mm -hmm. you know, episode where we were talking about growing up in the Bay, um, recognizing what works for you. I think mm -hmm. it's important to remember that self care is not a static thing. It's a dynamic mm -hmm. thing it changes and it should change, right? This idea that you don't only have one tool in a toolbox, you have multiple. And yeah. that is for the reason that not every single tool does not work in every single situation. Similarly, you should have multiple coping mechanisms because mm -hmm. one may not work in every situation and that's okay. And I think recognizing that and recognizing that there are multiple op like multiple options to solve a problem um mm -hmm. but yeah i think balancing school has been hard for me particularly you know for the studying thing but um i'm i'm really glad that your professors have been lenient i unfortunately have not had that experience i feel like <laughs> a lot of my professors you know they mean well but i think there is a misunderstanding of like what being home means yeah and how being home doesn't necessarily equate to having more time yeah. um i'm also and definitely a person who adds too much to her plate so snaps to that <laughs> i yeah you and you and i are very similar Sapta and i are very similar <laughs> in that um we're very again re re origin story season one we are literally twins um <laughs> you know, we're very empathic. We're very like therapist or mom of the group, very yep. passionate, driven, let me put everything on my plate because I want to give back. And during a pandemic, it's literally the worst. Thing. It's so bad because I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. Because I, I have 24 I hours at home where I'm free. Like my schedule is to be like always to be determined. I can always add things in. Which is not true for Sapna, at least, because I know her Google calendar is literally full. Booked. Booked. <laughs> no, and it's so bad because, like, that's something that I'm like, oh, yeah, like, my Google calendar today is full. Like, go me. <laughs> you know, but it's the whole, like, 
I am seriously just tying my self-worth to my productivity, which I need to move away from. Um, which is why I think it's so funny that we're doing this episode because I, right before filming this, I was like, I'm the worst person to talk to about self-care. Um, but that being said, um, I think that some, a place that I have grown is learning how to navigate self-care during this quarantine, especially with family. And I think that's a unique perspective that we have as South Asians. Um, there's like this running joke that like being the daughter of immigrants is like a whole different layer of emotional burden, emotional trauma, whatever. Um, just because we are um, encouraged to hold a lot more of like our family struggles and care for others and serve others and things like that. Um, that's very ingrained to who we are. Yes. <laughs> a million times. Yes. And I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of intergenerational intergenerational trauma that passes through and um, maintaining that sense of normality and sanity while being the daughter of immigrants is is a tough line to balance and also you know drawing back to going circling back to this idea of space um, and if y'all are South Asian girls like you know that having space is not a thing <laughs> It's not, it, that is not a concept. Privacy is not a concept. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's difficult because, you know, physically, while we do crave social connection, we do also crave our own space. space. Yeah. I think, yeah, at least for me, like, I just, I have this sign on my door that's like, please don't enter. I'm in class or like, I'm on a call. Um, and just like telling my parents, like, I can't talk right now for this. This is the time I've blocked off. And just, but at the same time, I am seeing this time as like time I've gained with my parents because I would have been at school otherwise or in LA. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm also just trying to spend as, as much time with them and, and being grateful for the time that I do have with them right now. Yeah, I think. I think for me, it's been, you know, great connecting with my sister and like my mom and like spending my evenings with them has been really nice. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of doing our thing during the day, but also I've gotten back in touch with a lot of friends from the Bay that I mm -hmm. haven't been able to, you know, keep in touch with while I've yeah. been in Philly. And, you know, it was hard, you know, at the beginning, I think everyone was setting up like Zoom calls. Yep. Oh gosh, like uh, scribble.io. <laughs> Cards Against Humanity Online. Like, yeah, we were I mean, pros at, at the Zoom socials and stuff. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely hosted a happy hour or two with my <laughs> team. But, you know, again, recognizing that it's hard and giving yourself space in between social engagements because social battery is a very real thing. Yeah. Um, and also like, you know, I think the thing that really has been motivating for me is like I go on a weekly hike on the weekends uh, or sometimes twice a week and I've been doing it with a select few group of people mm -hmm. um, who've all been quarantining, of course. Um, and we're like, you know, social distancing and like wearing masks being and safe about it, being safe about it. You hear us listeners, please be safe be about safe it, wear a mask it. and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Loudmouth Larkies wear masks. <laughs> That's going to be our slogan now. Oh my gosh. We should definitely. Okay. Whoever can get us the design for a mask <laughs> like that, Ooh, let me know. Yeah, something. Let me know. Um, 
but yeah, I think, so that's been really motivating. Um, seeing my favorite co-host for social oh picnics. Has we, we've also, done it a few times. Yeah. Has also been. No, really- I, yeah. And I think it's this interesting thing when we bring up friends, um, because there's not only like, it's been so nice to see people, but I think at least for me, this time has also been like a weird distancing like obviously for social social distancing physically distancing whatever but there's a lot of friends I've lost contact with and um that's also something to be cognizant of uh, cognizant of it's like yes we're in a pandemic um but also like just being conscious of what our circles are like who are who's there to support us and also just like holding our friends accountable too and just making sure they are being safe I think there's a way to do that without shaming your friends, um, just something to think about too. Yeah. And, and, you know, really focusing on who and where you're spending your energy, because why is this all important to begin with? Why do we care about self-care in quarantine? Exactly. It's, you know, to avoid burnout. You know, we, we go back to this time and time again, because it's so important, you know, you cannot help someone until you help yourself. Mm -hmm. Self-care is seen as very selfish, especially in cultures like Desi culture. But it's really important to to recognize that it's not selfish, it's selfless. Because Mm -hmm. if I don't have enough spoons, why am I handing them out to every single person that walks by? Exactly. How can I care for someone if I don't spend the time applying that very same advice and care and love to myself. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Loudmouth Larkies. You can catch a new episode next week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. A huge shout out to Colors of Roshni for the beautiful episode artwork this season, VHK Designs for our amazing logo, and DJ Nubia for this bomb soundtrack. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at loudmouthledkeys or shoot us an email at loudmouthledkeys at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and we'll see you next week.